Hello, and welcome to episode 31 of The Podding Shed, the podcast of the ChelseaFCblog.com. Seamlessly linking with the title of the last episode, the world is apparently watching a chimney to see if some smoke comes out of it. Not being of the religious persuasion, I shall briefly turn my thoughts to the relationship between smoke and the beautiful game. Bear with me, for this is hastily written and tenuous at best. Smoke over Anfield means that the shirt of the latest Liverpool hero is being burnt for, well, whatever reason they're burning <laughs> shirts that week. Smoke over Old Trafford means that Fergie has burnt Hal Webb's match report and told him to rewrite it. And smoke over White Hart Lane <laughs> probably means that the stupid bastards have set light to their own town again. <laughs> Joining me to haul to try and haul this podcast round after a frankly poor opening of half-ass smoke-related puns are Mark25, who is Mark. Hello. Grocer Jack, who is Tony. Good evening. And returning to the shed after a short break, Dr. Blue Bio, who is Donal. Good evening. Hello, chaps. And uh, could I just say to anyone of the religious persuasion out there, remember it's fine, it's absolutely fine with the Catholic Church to criticise a cardinal but you should never, ever bash your bishop. Carry on. (laughs) 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 We we started badly, and it's plummeted ever since. Excellent. (laughs) That's the levels. Um, Right, now, football. Um, We we start with, with, frankly, two completely different and and very baffling games in their their own right. Um, The appalling 1-0 capitulation out in Bucharest to Stoyer. Um, then three days later followed by frankly after the first 20 minutes probably one of our best performances in well some time um, to, to haul ourselves back for a, a two-all draw at um, Manchester United um, Mark we'll, we'll start off with you um, your thought how how can Chelsea play two such incredibly different games in the space of well you know 72 hours or so well, I guess they were saving themselves during the Bucharest game for the second half against Manchester United is the simple answer to that one. Mm. I was being facetious. Um, <laughs> Duly noted. Yeah, but to be fair, actually, um, our away performances in Europe haven't been that great over the last few years, really, have they? Apart from um, no. Barcelona and Munich. I mean, we generally uh, we, we do struggle away. And therefore, uh, we shouldn't get too wound up about it but it was a struggle to um, watch the game I mean I don't know if it's the channel that it was on and the whole way it's presented but the whole thing was extremely dull and at one point I did almost switch over to watch obsessive compulsive cleaners which I thought would be slightly more stimulating but the trouble is as a die hard Chelsea fan if they're showing any Chelsea football whether it's the under 11s on the Chelsea TV channel or you know the first team on any channel I am compelled to watch it so it doesn't matter what time of day it is how badly they're playing I have to force my way through it Uh, but it was quite a struggle to watch the game Mm. Uh, but the fact it was only 1-0 and that um, they've never won in London gives me encouragement and hope for Thursday night yeah I'm Kind of hopeful we should um, we should manage to squeak past them. Um, just kind of to touch on the game briefly. Um, group opinions, penalty or not? Um, yes, I would have said so. Yeah. Which way? Who to? Um, the, the penalty that Stoy got. Oh, that one. Yeah, of course, that was a penalty they scored, wasn't it? Yeah. 
I don't it, think it was. It, it, it looked debatable at best, as far as I was concerned. But um, yeah, I, I think such is the nature of, um, of these decisions that um, yeah, you could ask ten different people and get well, I think a number it, of different answers. I didn't, I didn't I see the whole game, football, but it isn't it? Soft, it's, yeah. it's the European football referee. Um, you know, it may not be a penalty in the Premiership, but it probably would be in Europe. And, and you know, I think we've seen over the years, I mean, you know, last week's Man United Real Madrid game, that there are decisions that we probably would have sat back and gone, oh, yellow card, and then yeah, lo and behold, along comes you know Mr. Turkish, Norwegian, Moroccan referee or whatever, and pulls out a red card. And mm. you know, I think so. I think it's probably just a a, 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 a more stringent application of the the interpretation of the rules from European refs so that's why I thought mm. immediately it happened I thought uh, I think he's going to give that one so it would be interesting it would be interesting to see how they construe the, um, the the studs to the back of the leg and the forearm to the back of the head whether that would be card ignored completely <laughs> brushed over no decision yeah you know I digress I, digress. I, I guess it depends well, on what orders they come back to that later when we've warmed up Mm. Want to come back to that one and yeah. have a bloody good moan about it? Yes, I, I think that's that's. It was it was as predictable as sin, but uh, um, you know, as a cardinal, I always found him predictable. <laughs> we move on. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's. Um... I didn't see the game, but I through social media uh, and various other inputs, it sounded like an absolute shocker in terms of. You know, just nothing happening at all. Uh, well, what, what, stu- what stuck out for me was that there was some sort of pass completion rate of sort of sixty-five percent. Yes, something absolute. You know, for a team that's normally up what around the eighties, yeah, with some players in the nineties. You know, it sounded like they they couldn't even pass the ball to each other in a, in a fairly basic fashion, which is unusual. You know, it was a, a rare thing for more than three passes to come off. Um, successfully and uh, I think that the other statistic was about 44% possession which you might expect against uh, a team perhaps you know when you're playing abroad but I, I think you know um, you know he put a good side out and it just looked like they basically either didn't want to be there or maybe they were intimidated by the crowd I don't know maybe they were just but there's, there's this thing about kickoff times isn't there you know the, the sort of lunchtime kickoffs and all that that's gone on over the years and I suppose uh, the players have become conditioned to, to sort of Early-ish kickoffs on a Saturday or a Sunday, mm. but sort of six o'clock kickoff on a, a Thursday evening. I mean, I, I don't know about them. Obviously, they're a younger generation. But for me, that that was watching the magic roundabout, and and, and then it was the news. Probably <laughs> uh, in no mental state to play a critical game of football at all. Uh, yeah, but there is know, a time difference. So for them, it was local time. It was fine, but it, I think it was worse for us because mm. when the game finished, you assumed it was quarter to ten. <laughs> So I was ready to go to bed. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like someone had switched the clocks back and not told me. And then I realised, actually, it's not. It's quarter to eight. I've got to stay up. It's, it was kind of neither Arthur. My age. It was neither Arthur nor Martha, was it? It's, um, uh, yeah, I, I, there is... I, I can't remember. It might have actually been someone like Dennis Wise, who, who you never really thought of as being kind of terribly in tune with the whole sort of... <laughs> manager, managerial... Oh, oh, that was a bit squeaky. Um yeah, the, the whole kind of diet and fitness thing. But he, he said one of the worst things about those early kickoffs is that you actually need, you know, you need a bit of food for energy. And obviously, the, the standard thing is kind of a, a plate of pasta and chicken or whatever. And he said, but the problem with it, like a midday or a one o'clock kickoff, it's about the last thing you want to eat at eleven o'clock in the morning is, is a bowl of pasta. Um, 
so yeah, six o'clock. Yeah, it's it's sort of neither here nor there. But I mean, we've done, you know, five thirty. The ESPN Saturday game is usually a five thirty one, and we've done those thirty troubles. So whether it has any bearing or not is anyone's guess. But um, but yeah, I mean, like you say, it was. Ben it was, should have tried sitting by the A one at half past five in the morning, trying to eat cold rice, sitting in your lycra, waiting to go off on a race. These <laughs> <laughs> footballers, they've had it easy. <laughs> Is that your grumble out of the way for the moment? <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting that they can arrange Champions League games to be at quarter to eight, mm. no matter where you are on the planet. Yes. Yes. But why can't they do that for the Europa League? Is, 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 it, is, it right. telly, is it telly-led or is it, is it just the locality that the game is in? Is it that they want to have a string of games almost well, I thought this through was, the night? You I know, thought, yeah, I thought this was TV-led in the sense that there's kind of two kick-off times. There's about three or four. I mean, some kick off five, six, seven. You mm. know, it was respect for GMT and the fact we're British. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, but I've just noticed that the, the, the London game's at five past eight yes. in the evening. So that's even that? later. Well, um, that's, that's definitely telly. That's tying in that's with That's got to be, isn't it? Yeah. It's not based around the football. It's kind of, Or whether it's based around the previous game that finishes yeah. at quarter to eight and then you get 15 minutes of... Craig Burley being a cunt. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to interject there. here. Uh, Craig Pardon Burley. Language, but. No, Craig Burley, who I normally pretty much detest as well, called everything correct throughout that Stoya Bucharest game. He nailed everything that was wrong with Chelsea at the moment. Spot on. With the club yeah, but that would be right up his street, though. Tony. Of course, if he would, had yeah, to be positive, they'd be brilliant, and he had to be absolutely. Positive, but he didn't. You know, it, I think you know? I think he, he he spoke a lot of sense, and, and even a stuck you know, clock like, like twice. As I, as I am going, to, <laughs> as I am about to give Craig Burley credit, and I'm going to give Rafa Benitez some credit. Going to allow you to do that. So, I'm being like the BBC. I'm being balanced here. Okay, so. Um, you know, be, be careful because too much of that stuff it's, it's going to turn the world on its axis we're going to be well, ruined yes I know we'll, um, lose we the list, we'll lose the listener and that'll be that absolutely um, I think for me one of the biggest turning things, off in their ones yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that came out of the uh, I, mean, I was annoyed because I think Mark had spoken the, the 2-2 draw at Griffin Park I think I think Mark quoted himself as saying it was one, possibly the worst display he'd, he could remember um, ever seen uh, Chelsea do and and I thought the Bucharest one was worse I thought it was um, you know shockingly bad and, and it was there was a bit of that you, it was almost like when you watch one of these one-off plays on BBC or Channel 4 or whatever you're waiting for something good to happen and it ends and you sit there thinking bollocks that can't have been it you know I, surely there's, there's, there's be a 90 point. minutes of my life I'm not getting uh, back are, are you on that. £5 every time you can interject the BBC into this podcast um, <laughs> no 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 but I, I think I was just going to make the, the most exciting part of the Bucharest game for me was when they sent um, Petr Cech out after the game to do the, um, the the post-match interview and he was like some sort of cracked actor standing in front of the glaring spotlight um, and he, he looked like like someone who'd come out of the same asylum that Jack Nicholson was in, in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. A bit of ECT going on. <laughs> the only thing he didn't have was the underpants on his head, the pencils up his nose and saying, wibble. That would have just made it. it was, <laughs> honestly, it was just that kind of... He didn't want to be there. He was utterly... Uh, he, you know, he just look. He, the, the stare he gave to the interviewer was like something that you know. Even Roy Keane 
would have would have quivered at it. You know, it really was. It was that barking. So, but I I enjoyed it because it was just like a moment of excitement. Peter <laughs> Check, he's turned into some sort of lunatic. You know, it was brilliant. Actually, I think the highlight of the evening has to be that Tory's clearance. I haven't seen it. I mean, it was, he was eight yards out on his own, and he managed to clear it better than any centre-half would have done. I mean, most centre-halves would have accidentally scored an own goal, but Torres managed to clear it directly back to his own goal. And I think, really, at that point, we all just had to laugh. That's how sorry you, you were out there, were you, Mark? No. But you have no. to give... Um, Hands up to the six twenty that did go. Yes, Ooh, I toyed with the idea of going, but um, on the Chelsea ticket news page, they had the word doc download for the local instructions, and it described the fact you've got to meet at this dedicated, designated meeting point, and then you will be escorted through a police tunnel, through a cordon, through the away fans, and into the ground. No, and I thought I don't really mean. fancy that. Mm. It doesn't sound terribly sociable, does it? No. But, um, yeah, it's um, from what I saw on, on Twitter feed and, and so on and so forth. That Bucharest wasn't exactly the most picturesque of towns to um, to kind of hang around in. So yeah, all credit to everyone that um, that pitched up because they weren't um, <coughs> weren't exactly served with thrilling fare. Um, I assume at some point it was probably the Paris of the East, but the Ceausescu years and all that probably did away with. Well, it, what was decent there, I would have thought. Because there's that, there's that enormous great government building, which is it's kind of... It's the, the largest world. in the Western world, or the world, or something. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely phenomenally huge place. Um, yeah, I... It, I forgot it was Dapper Dan's old team, until I, as I said on my comment on the, the blog, until I looked up the... Uh, until I looked up Stoy, you know, who, like ourselves, have won, won a European Cup and lost in a final, that... Um, yeah, Dan Petrescu. Was a style Bucharest man. Something else of note was the fact that it, that isn't their actual home ground, is it? I think their home ground's got a capacity of about eleven thousand, I think. Um, and they yes, play so it's on the average stadium, isn't it? Yeah, they play on average in front of eight thousand fans or something. And um, that pitch wasn't good. I mean, it was very bobbly. I don't want to make excuses, but the ball did seem very difficult to control. Yeah, yeah. and it, it, it wasn't. Um, it certainly wasn't great. Um, and yeah, Stoyer, that, I think, are the biggest supporting team in, in Romania, apparently. So it seems strange sorry, to that, indicate that. Torres' clearance is on the, on the blog as a link if you want to have a look at it. All right, I will do. It, it's, worth, it is worth watching. It's well worth doing. It's the kind of thing that, you know, were, were you to do it yourself in your own professional life or, you know, you, the equivalent acting your job, you'd probably think it was time to retire. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Just looking at the team... Um, I can't remember whether Ramirez was was out or just left out of the side because it seems to be that the Thursday night games kind of Frank starts um, and Torres starts. Benny Hugh seems to be getting a bit of a look in, so it wasn't wasn't you know obviously wasn't our strongest side, but it certainly was was by no means shabby. Um, obviously, we, we I, you know. European football is one of those sort of slightly distant mysteries outside of the very the bigger teams and um, yeah there's lots of Escus and Chiyus and such like in, the si- in their side which, whom I've never bloody heard of um, but yeah they gave a reasonable account of themselves and um, you know they take a, a goal advantage to the bridge on um, on Thursday where you're kind of hopeful we can overturn it um, albeit that it means fast fixture congestion if we get through to the next round 
Well, they, um, they still haven't decided. I think they're waiting, aren't they, till after Thursday for a decision as to when they can make, you know, when they can fit the Manchester United replay in. But they're talking about the second or third week in April at the moment. Well, no, I actually do. I think they're actually asking Howard Webb, and uh, you know, <laughs> he's actually just going to score it on points, you know, like they do at the end of the boxing. And he's just, well, we'll I think he's just looking down the card and. Uh, yeah, but I did mention the sport boxing, and we all know how bent that is. So <laughs> it's bound to be a fixed way. I think, I think we'll lose it on points, Harry, on count back or something like that. I mean, mm. we don't um, we don't have to um, consider Manchester United's European fixtures because they don't have any after all. <laughs> um, chortle, 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 chuckle as we do. Um, That's quite near Manchester, isn't it? I was just going <laughs> to. <laughs> I'll set them up. You not. I'll set him up. You knock him out of the stadium. Great cross. Um, oh dear. I hear the Cardinals are looking for a picture. <laughs> That's because they're a bit thirsty and they need some water. Oh, move on. But anyway, um, so yeah, so we, they return. Um, well, they they turn up to um, at Stamford Bridge on Thursday. The um, the president who who kind of he's fairly outspoken and, and, and loud kind of chap who's um, he's made all sorts of proclamations about wanting to compare suits of Roman Abramovich to see who's, who's the most most stylish and wealthy and um, and so on and so forth but he's also he also came out and said that he reckons there will be 10,000 Stoyer fans in in London on Thursday night and, and trying to get into the bridge that's not very difficult I mean most of them are working in sandwich bars and <laughs> pubs or begging <laughs> In the streets around Stamford Bridge, so they'll just move on to Stamford Bridge. I just—I uh, thought the opening of the borders was was sometime in a few months, wasn't it? I didn't think we—I didn't think we had that many Romanians over here. But I, I have to say, it's um, it, oh, they're all here on illegal passports, but they're staying here based on the Human Rights Act. Ah, uh, oh, right, okay. I, I must have—it's their it's human right to watch the second leg. <laughs> <laughs> it's, frankly, if it's anything like the first, it's a human wrong. But um, yeah. it's um, it's um, we, we, we veered off here. Um, so yeah, th- Thursday night. Um, I, I, I reckon we'll, we'll probably do it three-one predictions. Oh, I think it's a two-nil, two-nil or three-nil to us. I think if we carry on the momentum of sa- um, Sunday. Um, they won't get a look in. I mean, you know, the chances are we probably won't do that. But if we do, I would say three nil. I think we could just tear them apart. They they weren't that good. We they were up at, absolutely flattered by our um, complete lack of competence and um, desire. Mm. Um. Well, I, I feel the worst. Um, I, I wasn't going to go to this game because my son plays um, football on Thursday nights. But actually, I didn't feel right about watching it on TV in the last round so I have bought myself one ticket I'm going by myself but on the basis it starts at five past eight I fear it's going to go into extra time and penalties and we will win but I won't get home until gone midnight I was going to say you, you could well find yourself burning the midnight all on the way home couldn't you oh I'm going to be stuck in a car in a snowdrift somewhere <laughs> <laughs> um just, just, just touching on 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 the upper tier of European football, which we don't generally like to talk about. Um, AC Milan appear to have completely blown their uh, their two 0 advantage by um, by missing a glaring open goal, um, and Barcelona are now three 0 up. Mm. So um, it looks very much like um, Barcelona are going through. Obviously, there's only one team that can um, that can hold Barcelona at home, even with ten men, but. 
you know, they're not in the competition anymore. So, no. such is life. Such is life. Um, we move on to um, to Sunday at Old Trafford. Um, Mark, did you go? You're the one who's most. No, I didn't. No, no, didn't. No, no, I must admit, I pondered it, but too late in the day. Um, they kind of they only had five or six days to actually sell the tickets and um, and get everything sorted, didn't they? And then you ended up with, I think there were twelve trains up there to get you there on um, kick up time from from Euston, and there are only five back, um, which says an awful lot about the um, rail service and um, and how they view football fans. But um, but we yeah, I mean pre the Middlesbrough game. We knew that we were going to be playing United in the next round, and I decided to spend the money on the Middlesbrough game, which is the one I thought we'd win. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly a wise choice on the yeah. um, on the face of it. Um, much, I mean, there there has been a great deal of discussion. Obviously, there there is a section of our fan base who um, who, who would frankly not give. Rafa Benitez the steam off their own piss um, so giving him any kind of credit for the changes that he made and um, and the way the game panned out is obviously never going to happen but I think for me overall the game we, we obviously the two early goals were an absolute or what on the face of it appeared to be an absolute killer and whether United switched off or whether we just improved was anyone's guess but Kind of twenty twenty five minutes in, we started to look a little bit more like the Chelsea of old, and obviously the changes at half time, uh, or just after half time. Frank, I thought, was having a, a as much as everyone howls when he's taken off. Frank, I thought, was having a a relatively average game. I don't think he was having having his best game, but the, the, the pairing of him and Ramirez doesn't really work. For, well, I don't think it really works per, per se. Um, <coughs> Mikel under Benitez, he just seems to be persona on grass. He's only played, you know, kind of a, a, a game and a half or so in total since he came back from um, from Africa. And Hazard, you would assume, is kind of the, the kind of player you'd start for a game like that, but obviously not. Um, just general thoughts. I mean, obviously, it was a completely different performance from what we saw on um, on the Thursday in um, in Romania. Um, just Benitez, I think, deserves a, a decent bit of credit for um, for Sunday because he, he pulled us round. Now, whether um, it was United switching off or whether it was us, you know, turning up a gear is anyone's guess. But well, I'm fairly sure it wasn't United being tired, as Alex Ferguson said. <laughs> what a load yes. of bollocks that is! With two days extra rest over us and not a flight to Romania, you know, I, I, that was uh, that was a I did, yeah, fucking insult. Boring. That was that really was. I mean, I know he's well, good at that sort of thing, but I mean, fairly was, a typical yeah. Fergie, wasn't it? Indeed, but I wanted to get that rant in. Carry on. Um, mm. Well, um, I'll I'll give my tuppence halfpenny because um, after eleven minutes of watching that game. Um, there is sort of laying upon my SETI remote controlling hand in that kind of unwashed and some slightly dazed aura about me of thinking, fuck. And I was watching it, I had Twitter going as well, and of course the mood had dived into this. And I, I was in this sort of. Wasn't great, yeah. 15 minutes in, I was thinking, well, we're going to get absolutely dumped on our asses here. And so I was kind of prepared for it, and I became quite sanguine and 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 laid back about it, fat and happy. I think I described myself as on the blog, you know, just well, <laughs> there you go, this is going to happen. Let's sit back and just take the punishment and try and enjoy it. Um, and uh, <coughs> twenty twenty five minutes in, I started to think, hold on a minute, 
you know, we, we we're not as bad as I thought we were. There was still, um, still nothing. We we still look quite slow and everything like that. Um, but you know, we 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 were getting back into the game. I think you were right. I think there were howls of um, anguish at uh, after half time at the, the substitution of, of, of Frank Lampard. Um, and at the time, I was thinking, good, get him off because uh, there was always. I think the people were saying they were saying, well, you know, we need a goal, and he takes off. Frank Lampard, who'd barely had a kick of the ball anyway, um, and uh, bought on Mikel and Hazard. And my description of um, of Hazard, for me, um, and uh, he came on, it was like a, a kind of dual saviour machine. They came on, but Hazard was the one for me. Um, I don't even like the way I'm pronouncing that, Hazard. Right, he was... Utterly, utterly fantastic, and I say it now. I still think you know for everything that Matter has done. My favourite player of the season has been Hazard. His control of the ball, the way he holds the ball, he's almost impossible to knock off the ball. He's yeah. so stock. He's got an arse the size of bloody Ivanovic's one on a player half the bloody height. He's just, I think he's phenomenal. Um, and he drifts in and takes the ball. <laughs> so, and that's an interesting observation. Tom. Well, if you look at it, I mean, we, we talk about Ivanovic. Uh, Ivanovic has got a massive arse, isn't he? Almost gorilla-like, you know. I mean, huge thighs. He's up there all- Jimmy. I would say almost up there with Jimmy Floyd. Yes, exactly. And if you look at Hazard and you scale it down a bit, you've got that kind of stocky, low centre of gravity. And I just think he's utterly fantastic. And United, I, I don't think they were tired. They didn't know what hit them. Yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't do it. a carbon copy of what happened at Stamford Bridge. 2-0 down in a short space of time. We, we got ourselves back in the game. We were down to 10 men at Stamford Bridge and the better team... And then it was only going down mm. to nine that knocked the stuffing out of us in the end because that was a little bit of a bridge too far. And I just wanted, you know, to, to say I thought that second half, I went from this kind of laid back, you know, it was almost like a, a I looked like I'd probably had a joint. I was like, hey man, you know, we're going to get stuffed here or whatever. To this <laughs> wired animal, you know, walking up and down the living room, pouncing on the television and I just couldn't help myself. And... And Pete Watts of you know of our estate um, summed up: it was fun. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. Found it myself was, um... enjoying it. If we turned in a performance like that at Stanford Bridge every now and then, there wouldn't be a toxic atmosphere. There wouldn't be a non-atmosphere. The place would be bloody electric. Electric, I tell you. Yeah, I think, um, and it's interesting. I'm fairly certain. I may be entirely wrong, but I'm fairly certain that. In terms of the way Robbie set us up at the beginning of the season, I think that's the first time we've had Mikel, yes, Oscar, Mata, and Azad, yeah, on the pitch. He's a Walloon. He's a Walloon, and therefore it would be Azar, because he's obviously French or, or speaks would speak French. His, his name would be pronounced in. A, a French manner being a Walloon as opposed if, to if, a, if I were French Flanders but I, 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 I'm English then I call Paris Paris I don't call it Paris so I was just trying to help you Tony because yeah, I, I know, be, but you appear to be struggling towards Blake some form of understanding no, of his no, name no, no, no. <laughs> and I'm merely I'm merely as the yeah. Belgian representative on this yeah. blog but, you know, I cast <laughs> conclave me. trying to help you along but yeah. Yeah, throw my throw my help to one side as you will. Cast me aside like an old hanky. Team in Amsterdam, we play in red and white. Ajax, 
That's all there is to it. You exploded. I can't hear you. Are you there? Yes, I am. (laughs) Carry on. Sorry. Go ahead. Who? You. Well, anyone. You're ranting and you're raving. No, I've done. So, um, Ajax, Ajax, you know, tomato, tomato and all that. Hazard. Hazard. Mickey. Ajax. Ajax play football. Ajax is a form of scouring powder. (laughs) One for the teenagers there. So, we've managed to get Brillo pads and... uh, and, um, Ajax in. Anyway, um, we'll move on with some vim and vigour. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. a round of applause for that. I don't like it. Very good. Very good. Um, but yes, it, uh, and it was genuinely exciting. And, and frankly, you know, I, I was with, I think, every Chelsea fan when Matter had his chance at the end, shouting goal, <clears throat> only to land back on the floor and think, what? We've got a corner? Um, because and that, that. that was that was almost yeah. one of the most replay goals of all time. That was an yes. absolutely exceptional piece of football. It was it was Bergkamp's goal against Argentina in in '98. Yes, it was. Everything it was. about it, just the control and the the, fir- the first to the second touch were absolutely extraordinary. And um, it, had he put it away, oh god! And and it has to be said, you know, credit to Rafa, credit for congratulating De Gea. Credit to De Gea for making the save. Yeah. Absolutely extraordinary. Just, you know, can I just say, one, a... more, yeah, say just one more thing about it, which was, um, and I, I've had a few people dispute this on my Twitter timeline. Um, I, I work on the logic that that was a fantastic double substitution from Benitez that he deserves credit for. And I was sort of hit with a wave of people going, he's fucking useless. It was, he, he should have put them out from the beginning. My logic is is that Mourinho, renowned for making changes, okay, mm. when he gets it, when he does it, when Ferguson does it, when Wenger does it, tactical genius, no one says, well, they got it wrong in the first place. They just say it was a tactical no, of genius. Of course. And, and frankly, I think you're right. The other thing is, is that RDM, Mr. Di Matteo, used to play Ramirez and Mikel in that double pivot, dual pivot thing everyone keeps rabbling on about that I don't really get. Mm. Um, and, it, and they really link together well because, you know, because Mikel can play in that holding role. Well, you see, the thing is, we've, we've touched on this before, and sorry to interject, but yeah. no, no, we've, no. Touched, we've touched on this before. If we're going to play that two, two men sitting deep, the most natural player we have for that role is, is Mikel. And he's the one that Benitez seems to, to shun most, which is baffling. And, and, you know, Ramirez and Frank doesn't particularly work there. Anyone and anyone other than Mikel and Luis just potentially ends up an absolute disaster because you know the boy Luis, who I have to say I give him I give him stick after him and Cahill for the first twenty minutes look like fucking pub players, but after that he was absolute mustard. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant performance. I was you know between him and Mikel, just the way they read the game between them and the way they just snuffed out United was. Tremendous, really, really impressed. But anyway, sorry, Tony, carry on. No, I've, I've finished. It's time for someone else. I've said my bit, and uh, I've got my various references in that I wanted to before the start of the podcast. I did notice that um, <laughs> he says someone, someone's response, someone's response to your point about um, well, you know, Mourinho. Everyone talks about how Mourinho would make substitutions at half time, before half time, whenever someone. 
sort of said, oh, well, yes, uh, he didn't make mistakes. Uh, it was AVB got the scouting wrong and things like this. Yeah. You know. <laughs> he, yeah. you, th- there are some of these arguments that you'll never get to the bottom of. No. And, uh, I, I, have I, you know, I think fair enough he changed it early. I personally feel that I, I don't understand why you wouldn't play Mikel. I, I just... For a game like that. An FA Cup game, a one-off game against a team going along as well as United, albeit they'd had a bit of an upset earlier in the week, you put out as much as as near as you can your best 11 players. And you can argue, well, should Ivanovic have been playing? Well, I think as Pilaquetta's, you know, a a good right back and perhaps a more natural right back than, than Ivanovic. Which is, you know, you could maybe argue about the centre back pairing, but in midfield you have to put Mikel in there. I don't understand how you wouldn't. And you know, I, I'm not Benitez bashing at all. I, if he's got a blind spot over Mikel, then I, I just yeah, I, I don't, I'm lost because if he had two or three other players who could easily play that role, then fine. You know, he could, but he hasn't even got the understudy who is Romeo. He's out for the season. And, you know, Lampard did really well there around Christmas and afterwards, was scoring goals, etc. But, uh, you know, we're starting to see that, that he can't carry game-in, game-out sort of season. He's playing in a position that doesn't really suit him. And, you know, th- he had to do that because Mikel was in Africa, becoming the player of the African Nations Cup and being central to the team that won it. Mm. And he comes back and, and he's on the bench half the time. That I find very strange. And I think you could see on Sunday in that second half, yes, the weaknesses would still be there against uh, teams who are determined to sit and force us onto them and would play, you know, just a sort of breaking up type of game and would frustrate us. But the but thing about United is they will always play football. They will always have a go, and, yeah, exactly. And, and they will leave you space. And, you know, we just showed that we had the pace and... and the noose and the belief, and and he was he was instrumental in it. Yes, Hazard, you know, obviously, great player and a great contribution. And but it woke up Matter. Matter hadn't been in that game to that extent. Um, Oscar got more freedom. You know, it, it just they they, they had them pinned down. You know, and well, you, I think you only had to look at um, United's United's goal, first goal. Um, which it was a combination. I mean, Czech was 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 poorly positioned. Now, you know, is that a result of Czech not being confident in what's in front of him? <coughs> Whatever. But between Carrick and, and Cleverly, they just had so much room in front of our back four because Frank and um, Frank and Ramirez. First off, if they either they were getting caught further up the pitch or they they just weren't in a position to press the ball. And it was a great pass from Carrick. There's no question about that. But he just had literally hours to to pick his spot and make it. You know, he saw Hernandez's run. Who, again, you know, another another player like Tevez, who just every time they he's on the pitch against us seems to score. Hmm. Just seemed to have all the time in the world to pick him out. And between Czech and Cahill, they were both, I, from my point of view, both badly positioned. And yeah, you know the finish was good, but just you know immediately. Check stays on his line; he saves it quite. Yeah, quite yeah. Exactly. exactly. And, and the for ball- me, it was it was ninety percent checks fault and ten percent you know Cahill. Any long ball into the area is going to occasionally catch defenders wondering what's over their shoulder. You know, and yeah, it was, good, it was a good diagonal ball. That's but when your goalkeeper doesn't boss his box, or he's some sort of no man's land, having a little wander and a fag. 
what's going on here then? The ball, yeah, sorry, stays on the line. Um, mm. he, he, he yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought it was a bit of a shame, really, because it was such a... Uh, didn't we concede one against them in about 36 seconds when we had to go up and play them under Carlo Ancelotti, wasn't it, I think? And it was Hernandez again that day. Yeah, yeah, he, and it was he ran he ran, ran ran behind Luis before they'd even got on the pitch. Really, yeah. it was you know it was, the game was all over before it started. Yeah, we, we have a habit of giving them early goals and, and then there seems to be that that sort of triumvirate of um, Tevez, Walcott, and Hernandez that we always seem to have a little bit of a problem with them. Mm. Especially you know the Tevez and Hernandez. I'm not quite sure why no coach has ever thought. You know, or the players themselves haven't said we've got a bit of a problem with these two. What can we do, boss? You know, it seems. But then it has to be said. You know, you look at that second half, and you look at these games against Spurs and Arsenal. You know, teams will have a problem. You know, footballing teams who who want to come out and play will have a problem. You know, against the combination of uh, of Oscar, Mata, Hazard. You know, they just and you know, providing we have a decent centre forward up there for them to buzz around you know that's a if we decide to sort of go with a run and gun approach in some of these games we're going to scare people as much as they scare us sort of thing you know but I think that's the thing I mean you know Hanson's Hanson's write up in the Telegraph and I admit you know I take Alan Hanson with a, a reasonable degree of seriousness in the sense he's obviously relatively well versed in the game and knows it well but an awful lot of his punditry and his, his journalism is phoned in but he absolutely raved about the three of them together and said if you get those three firing and, and actually you know snapping back getting the ball back quickly when losing it as that sort of front three or part of a, a front four then you've really got a, a side on your hands um, Mark it's obviously we're two 0 down within within fifteen minutes. United didn't even they didn't even really have to do much to get that that two 0 And at that point, obviously, we're all thinking, "What do I do? I do I switch over?" Spurs, Liverpool's turning into quite a decent game. There's there's got to be something else to do other than watch this. Um, what, what were you thinking at the time? Well, I was thinking. Um had they been showing a repeat of obsessive compulsive cleaning <laughs> <laughs> I would have switched over but I'm damned if I'm going to switch over and watch the Spurs but anyway let's not forget that we did manage to pull the game back to 2-2 and earn ourselves one more fixture much needed for match day revenue this season yeah. and um, at the same time Spurs did lose so um, all in all it was a terrific afternoon for us yeah, I think um, it worked out quite nicely. I think that, that that forty minutes of football there, you know, as you, as Tony pointed out, they although you wouldn't, I didn't actually see the whole. I had to go and watch it back afterwards because I, I was coming and going, so I was on listening to some of it on the radio. Listening to it on the radio, you wouldn't have thought we got even half a look in in the first half, and. Whereas in reality, the game sort of stabilised out. Obviously, they were 2-0 up, mm. but they they didn't really put us away. And Yeah, after, you know, after 20 minutes, we, we we came back into it quite well. We were, yeah, but, I mean, we, we, but we didn't really create any, you know, out-and-out top-quality scoring opportunities, which, you know, 
I think came across as, and when I went and looked back at it, you know, there were one or two chances which we didn't really make enough of. But it wasn't until that, you know, until the, the sort of substitutions. But from then on, you know, the quality of the, the football and, and it was it was really like back to the old days of the, the, the game in Moscow and some of those other games where we just, you know, got hold of them and gave them a good old shaking, you know, and, and they weren't really able to live with it. Particularly as they, I think they, the pace with which a lot of those players were coming at them meant that Ferdinand and, and, and Evans were having, you know, sitting further and further back. Cleverly and Carrick just, they're not a defensive midfield, are they? You know, they're, they're very good going forward, but they don't, they're I don't not. Know, Carrick's, Carrick's a, a much uh, underrated player. He's, he's much underrated, John, but when, when, in, three or four, five years ago, when they used to come down to the bridge, in defensive mode, he used to have Fletcher out there. He used to, did he have Anderson? Some years he had Park. He always used to pack the midfield out with those sort of, oh yeah, you know, dogged players. Because you're absolutely right. I mean, I think he couldn't run the midfield. That's with, the difference. With Carrick and 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 other in inverted commas talent, he had to have some people to break it all up for him. Yeah. And I was surprised he didn't... I know Anderson is is about 14 stone overweight and all that sort of stuff, but <laughs> he thought he would have maybe brought him on to try and shore it up a bit. You know, he... Well, it, I mean, it's interesting because Cleverly, it's one of those classic things that you can prove anything with stats. Cleverly's actually quite a smart little player in terms of how he buzzes around and in terms of passing and interceptions and so on. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, for a very long time, certainly you know under Mourinho and for a, for a long time afterwards, Ferguson would never come down to the bridge and play attacking football. Mm. Just simply didn't happen. You know, he did exactly that. He had Park on one of the flanks, just you know pressing the fullbacks back. Rooney just running around in that kind of well, yeah, that ghastly sort of false nine. You know. Mm number 10 type position just running around hassling Makaleli but they never ever played you know a proper attacking game but I think now they they probably feel that actually you know we, we probably can and I think that was probably the wrong decision on um, on Sunday but but yeah I mean Carrick I think he, he's one of those players that we, you actually look at what he's won and having been part of that side for how long has he been there now? Seven, eight years? Quite some time. Mm. You know, he, he's, he's got probably as many medals as Frank has mm. and isn't really considered by anyone. And whether it's, you know, you could argue whether he's one of those players that English football probably doesn't really get per se, in that yeah. he's sort of a bit PLO, uh, that kind of deep lying, you know, pulls the strings, makes a few passes. He's not a tackler, but he doesn't need to be. Um, I, I digress, but I like him as a, I think he's actually quite a decent player, and I think he's he's not really terribly well understood by English football. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I take your point. Although I, I just think, unlike Pirlo, unlike Frank, you know, who we have said obviously isn't a, a defensive midfielder and obviously plays a different role that, than the one that uh, that Carrick does. They're still two way players to me, and, and Carrick. I think Carrick needs to be sitting behind, you know, sits in there when in a team that's... I, I don't mean this in a cliche way. I know quite a few people say but I've always thought it, and friends of mine who are at Tottenham felt it when he was at Tottenham, you know, that he is a, 
an excellent pass of the ball. He sees the game well. He he's a good player. I'm not knocking him at all. But mm. you know, a midfield of him and Cleverly are not are not good enough up against um, Mikel and Ramirez on a day when they're going. You know, yeah. like they were on on on, on Sunday. Um, he he needed to bring something else in there. They were getting overrun in midfield. I and I know he, he likes he likes to gamble on having you know Van Persie and obviously he was missing Nani he had to bring Valencia on then he had Welbeck you know the, the classic Man United thing is you think all right we've got them by the, <coughs> the coolies now we can overrun them in midfield and they just knock one or two long balls you know when you've got them under pressure suddenly they clear the area there's three or four of them and, and another goal's gone in the net and mm. but it didn't work for them that way on Sunday and, and part of that is I think that. You know, like you say, Louise, um, although he did slip over quite badly and leave well back in on one occasion, but generally he, Mikel and the others were awake, I think, to that threat and snuffed it out. Played Van Persie so has hit a little bit of poor form. Valencia's not at the races. And, and so, you know, we got completely on top of them in the end. Mm. And, and I think he needed to do something to, to try and sort that out. And he didn't. And, you know, we should have won it in the end, and I'm not blaming matter at all. But you just think if just another six inches on that ball, and, and yeah, it's in a um, net, you know, it was. Uh, it, it potentially, yeah, it's it's the kind of goal that could potentially have changed the course of the season because I think in terms of what it would have done to United it, for confidence, it would have absolutely shattered them. Mm. They, they, you know, if if all right, Ferguson playing the tired card is possibly a little disingenuous, but. Mm. You know, there was probably a little bit more intensity in their game against Real, albeit that it was 48 hours before ours than there was in our game in, in Bucharest. So, yeah, maybe maybe there wasn't any tiredness about it. Um, but, so, obviously, there's, there's kind of two, two talking points that arise out of this game. Um, the first is the announcement today that the FA won't be charging Rio Ferdinand for his... Um, they well, won't. No, 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 no. Oh, for not God's sake! Talk about one rule for one lot and one rule for another. I think we have some live reaction there. Um, oh, I always thought you knew Tony when we were. No, I thought no, I'm fucking yeah. gobsmacked at that because when you think of the uh, post-match things that have happened to, uh, wasn't it uh, Essien who was fucking hounded into, uh, you know, getting a red card or a three-game ban after a tackle in a game that a referee never saw, mm. but was, you know, vilified throughout the press, replayed endlessly on Sky, and Rio Ferdinand gets away with that. Uh, you know, it goes back to, 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 there is, no wonder there's a sense of injustice here with, um, I mean, someone tweeted that they were, many United fans were singing, where's your racist centre-half? Completely forgetting Rio Ferdinand and Ashley Cole and what Rio Ferdinand said. And mm. I don't, is Ferdinand untouchable with a camel lick prick? I fucking hate him, but that's just wrong. You sound like a man me. who's been hit around the back of the head with a shovel, Tony. Wow, well, I just... That's all I you know, it's just... It, there, there's... It, it, oh, the FA don't do themselves any bloody favours, do they? But well, I'm it wasn't the FA, but by, by all accounts, as I understand it, uh, the referee is asked to reconsider yeah, because really. he doesn't see it. I wonder how many rewrites that report got then. <laughs> I think the, the way this the way this works, and I am not casting judgment as to whether how Webb's decision is right or wrong. Obviously, if he if he doesn't see it and then is and then looks at it afterwards and thinks yes, 
I need to take. I need. I should have taken some action. Then it's immediately a straight red because it's it's violent conduct. It's a three game ban. That's that. If he looks at it afterwards and thinks actually that's a stupid bit of handbags, it's probably only a yellow. You can't retrospectively award yellows. Therefore, there's nothing he can do. So it, it's it, it's actually almost kind of the, are, are the tools at the referee's disposable disposable referees (laughs) (laughs) sorry third Cronenberg Um, are the tools that the referees disposable adequate and this I think that kind of goes back back to um, the nanny red card last week there's there's so much fine tuning of of the rules has gone on in recent years that I think sometimes it actually leaves referees slightly hamstrung in the sense there's so many definitions they, they have to look at and how you interpret a particular rule that actually what Ferdinand did was a straight was a red card that's it there's, mm. there's, there's no question about it he raised his arm he put his, his foot on the back of Torres's ankle and gave him a shove now had he seen that theoretically he probably would have awa- would he have awarded a red would he have gone for a yellow it's oh. Yeah, but it wasn't the all-out that some people were claiming. No, it, was, exactly. it was just a... It was, it was a shove. It wasn't, you know, forearm in the back of the neck. It was a shove. Yeah. But uh, it, was, it was malicious it, in that it was meant as a sort of... You could compare it in terms of the sort of uh, physical pain involved in, in the, the knee that John Terry gave the guy in Barcelona, you know, who then went down and fell about the place writhing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was it was probably slightly less than that. Mm. What I don't understand is, you know, you say that if it's only yellow card, obviously you can't retrospectively allocate a yellow card, so he has to say, I, I don't want to take any action. Mm. Do the FA still not have a, an option to say, well, that's sort of ungentlemanly conduct, we don't like this off-the-ball nonsense? Or would it, it would have to be a red card level offence for anyone yeah, to do I, anything? It, it, it needs to be... Mm. It was borderline red. I, there, there are players undoubtedly out there playing for teams the likes of Stoke and Sunderland. Etc. Who, would have, who would have been done for that post game? Okay, Undoubtedly, you know Ryan Shawcross, people like that. They they would have been done for that. They would probably would have been done during the game because the linesman or someone actually saw that. I'm fairly sure yeah. you can be absolutely certain they did. Um, and you know, they the smaller teams, perhaps not us, but certainly smaller teams would have suffered from that. And um, mm-hmm. you know, when you add that to his behaviour earlier in the week you know he's as, as they used to say of Terry is he a player out of control he's certainly a player who feels himself fairly immune to, uh, to to what other players have to be put through but you know it was predictable as I said in my uh, report you know you knew the full weight of the FA would come down upon him minus the full weight and you know <laughs> there it is yeah I think um, yeah I, I just one of those very very I, I don't I don't think it helps the fact it was Howard Webb and obviously there's you know any number of conspiracy theories about how many negatives of, of how Webb Fergie's got and so on um, but yeah I, I don't think it's worth getting quite as as, we, we, as, as, no. as Tony is I, I, he needs to sort of you know, lie down in a darkened room. 
with my sonorous voice droning on in the background, telling him to calm down. Uh, perhaps, perhaps some Gregorian chant. No, I mean, everyone's reaction to the... Oh, do you want a bit of Gregorian chant? I've still got it here. Oh, it's in the background. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, you know, sort of conclave-esque chanting is probably what we need at this point. Oh, very soothing. And I think we, in the spirit of forgiveness, will pray for the eternal soul of Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> because, by God, he needs it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think, Tony, I think you're right. You know, you're, anyone's initial action would be frustration. But I think looking at the incident on the day, you sort of knew it wasn't quite enough. Yeah. You, know, you sort of knew there was enough doubt in it. Had he, you know, really wellied him from behind and, you know, clattered him with the elbow, then, yes, he... he there was something there, but there's enough doubt there, I think, for, for them to be able to brush over it. As I say, other players have got sent off for flicking out or moving their head towards someone, things like that. It's all the context and the game's over and it, you know, despite some paper describing it as ill-tempered, it wasn't really, was it? You know? Yeah, it was stupid. And it's actually, side of the else, it's actually, it's almost kind of the player that, you know, it's, it's like kicking a small defenceless cat. Yeah, it, it's you know yeah. he's he's got enough on his plate. Leave him alone. Don't I? It, it, oh, I sort of almost felt like cry. You know, you, you think oh, he's gonna, no, I'm, he's going to cry in a minute if people keep picking yeah, on him. I'm, I'm a big I'm a big sort of I, I'm a big ice hockey fan. But the thing that I hate most about the NHL because it's not so common in Europe is this fighting business that goes on. And you know, if if you're sort of Boyish, defensive, uh, defenseless young center gets wellied by some gorilla. Then your gorilla gets on the ice, you know, next shift and drops the gloves and batters the living cack out of the other fella, or not, as the case may be. Mm. And you know, I, it would be quite something to go to the replay, you know, the, the whistle to go for the start of the game. And, like, within about five seconds, you know, someone like Ivanovich to just tear down the pitch and just stick one right up his jacksie. <laughs> Punch him right in the bracket and lay him out, take the red and walk off on the basis that we're bound to get a red card in the replay anyway. <laughs> I don't condone that sort of violence. And, but but that's, it, how, there, there that's is, the sort of thing that Rio gets you, you know, in the mood for, is that sort of, you know. Yeah, I think... Um, it, it would be enjoyable to see someone stick one on him, but um, but, yeah, but then I, well, I'm sort of guilty then of falling into that sort of cartooning of, of footballers that goes on in the media. Yeah, you know, you'd, you'd have to be better a, or worse than anyone really. You'd have to be an absolutely uh, puncher of such useless incompetence, a, t- a Torres type of puncher, really, to miss that lip, wouldn't you? Because well. He's extraordinarily duck-faced, isn't he? He reminds me of Pug from the Bash Street Kids. Plug. Plug, man. Plug, not Pug. Get an insult, Tom. I'm going to look it up. I'm sure it's Pug, but let's not argue about the fact that there is a (laughs) duck-faced, ugly Luke Chadwick look-alike in the Bash Street Kids, and Rio Ferdinand is the doppelganger of that young lad. Cursed famously with... Falling out of the ugly tree and hitting every branch on the way down. Exactly. The old saying goes. Fed, fed by the catapult and not the breast. <laughs> <I say. laughs> 
Anyway, um, and the second... It's, it's um, used plug. I do apologise. I think I know my Beano. I, heavens above. I think we need more chance just to calm down. We're all getting... <laughs> I would say we need to... <laughs> let's get back on a, let's back on an even keel. If anyone has noticed that there is a bit of an edge to the to the uh, podclave tonight, we are normally... Normally the Holy Spirit is hovering above us and seeing us all right, but obviously he's had to fly away to slightly more important occasion over there in Rome and that's why we're all a bit we're all a bit on edge a bit flustered I see um, uh, are Rome are playing at home tonight then <laughs> <laughs> and with that one phrase I've insulted every Catholic across the world but there you go put them <laughs> was, it, was it you who was it tweeting the one about the uh, line of blokes in red um, line of me, blokes no. in red uh, mine with the Vicky Price jokes no, no, there was a joke. Someone came up with something about a line of blokes in red doing something or other. You know, and it was Man United defence. I'll have to look it up now. I, it was on Twitter earlier today. That's I'll right. I'll, um, I, sh- I, shall, I shall bring this bring this back around to football. But just as an interesting point, just cropped up on my Twitter feed, uh, Barcelona beat AC Milan 4-0. Mm. And there's, there's a couple of, well, any number of people who are sort of retweeting this. There's a bloke who clearly put a bet on last week. <clears throat> And it was it was a fourfold where we Borussia Dortmund to beat Shakhtar three nil, correct. Real Madrid to beat Man United two one, correct. PSG and Valencia to be a one all draw, correct. Twelve to one, eight to one, eleven to two. And his last bet in this fourfold was Barcelona to beat AC Milan four nil. Barcelona scored their fourth in the ninetieth minute. For a fiver, this bloke has just won fifty grand. Good lad. Well done, I say. Beers are on him. Um, but more importantly, Galatasaray have beaten Schalke, which means we've got Didier Drogba to support for the um, yeah, tournament. Exactly. So, someone has tweeted Barcelona, notes to Barcelona, Drogba's still in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, it's, it's a very good point. They um, they got a, fit, a, a late one as well and have, um, have put Schalke out. So, um, because Schalke hadn't lost at home in Europe this year, so. No. Apparently, I heard on the radio on the way. I don't want to give the impression that I'm Stato and I know all this straight off the top of my head. I heard it on the radio on the way back from the boys' training that they hadn't lost in Europe at home this year, so no. or this season. So that's pretty. No, indeed, indeed. Um, so, and actually, we should, uh, having discussed the Manchester United game at length, we should um, we should point the listener to. Um, www.chelseafcblog.com to uh, Dr. Blue Bayou's magnificent article on Johnny Allen with a bit of football reportage from it. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a small amount of football, should that take your fancy, but um, other than that, it's um, it's a varied read and uh, well, a, a, a read with varied subjects, shall we say, and uh, well worth a look. Uh, nicely, nicely pulled back there, Johnny. Yes, I was sitting there. It was a, a bad choice of words. Um, what we will do, we will touch briefly on um, on the, the fixture pile-up that um, this has caused. We have, hold on a second. Let me get let me get the correct web page open and, um, and see exactly what. Ah, the joke was it was Robert Ray. Uh, a series of senior figures dressed in red processed slowly in front of the camera, just like watching the Man United defence. <laughs> Pope election gangs. That's it. Um. So yeah, the um, the fixture pile up that this this has caused. Um, 
we the, the, the latest that, that that seems to have um, have cropped up is that the Southampton game on Easter Sunday may be postponed and that we'll play United on early on the Easter Monday. Um, but I, I'll read. I, I, I shall have to buy Dan Levine a beer next time I see him, just because I'm going to read kind of most of his article out here. Um, usually, a police requirement for ten days' notice for a replay, which the day that he wrote this it takes us to the Saturday the 23rd of March where both sets of players are away on international duty because there's two qualifiers those games kind of take out the, the midweek slot afterwards the weekend of the 30th and 31st Sunderland Man United Southampton Chelsea which are both Sky games um Interesting. Well, Monday the 1st of April, which is, is being mooted, Fulham playing QPR that night. So whether Mr. Plod will be terribly happy about United, Chelsea, QPR and Fulham all being um, on the go at the same time as anyone. Four course. sets of London fans. Yeah. <laughs> or Surrey, indeed, as the case may be. Um, then, if we get past Stoyer, then that week, you know, the Thursday of that week... In, We'll be playing again in the Europa, and then the semi-finals are on Saturday the thirteenth and fourteenth. Um, so you leave Saturday the sixth. It's it's a real mess, you know. The, there's not a great deal of um, not a great deal of option in terms of what we can do. Um, I think we've played we've played more games than any any other English club. I don't know whether it's any other European club. Um, I, I, I'll throw it open. You know, where, where do we put this game? Where do we stick it to? Bearing in mind we've got Fulham, uh, Fulham away to um, cope with as well. I appreciate you're not all schedulers, and um, you probably don't give a shit where it turns up as long as you can maybe get there. But um, where do you put it? Well, I, I, I read Dan's article. I thought there was a, a very well, it's probably too late now, but a faint chance they might move the West Ham game um, and try and mm. get it out of the way this Sunday um, because that would then because, because they're heading obviously into you know a bit of a, a backlog clash with the semi-finals etc you know getting very close to the actual final itself aren't they really mm. um, presumably they've got to get Wembley booked and, and as well well that, so, that's the thing the, for the semi-finals the the FA basically have have Wembley for that weekend, and they hire in all the casual labour that you need, all the people to man the concessions, and you know all the extra stewards and police. Well, and Romanians, I think many many Romanians. Yes, if they're all you know, if they're all having a bit of an extended stay after um, after their visit on uh, Thursday night. Um, so yeah, apparently it has to, the semi final has to take place that weekend, or whether they they choose to push the whole thing both semi-finals back um, but one way or another it would seem that um, hello oh blimey we I mean it's either going to work out well for us or badly for us I mean if, if we lose both you know it is a fair excuse that the team has just played too many games Yeah. Mm. If, if we win both and we win two trophies well they're going to be heroes aren't they Mm. Yeah, very true. I think the problem, it's the fourth place business, isn't it? You know, if if we were sitting in second or third, 15 points clear of the team in fifth, then, you know, it wouldn't be an issue. But there's always this pressure to finish fourth. And at some point, you know, 
do they they have to try and keep the team fresh for you know league fixtures don't they but equally you can't you can't surely just go into a game with Man United thinking we'll chuck out what we can and hope for the best not after the performance up there I mean it would be typical of Chelsea because they've done it before haven't they to get some sort of result at Old Trafford in the cup and then get walloped or lose anyway on, on the return so I don't know I mean I haven't followed this fixture congestion thing too closely really but I can see now that it, it's, it's it's a biggie it's, it really is if we get through all th- if, if we don't get through on Thursday it solves an awful lot of problems but if we do actually leaves uh, you know when, when's the next um, UEFA game then after Thursday if we got through uh, oh, the, the Chelsea website doesn't actually say that. No, it's two got weeks, everything. I think. Yeah, but it's I think it's, it's two weeks after. Yeah. So the Southampton game looks like the most initially that would obvious. Seems to, to be the one that's going to get shifted. But there's a uh, whopping great break in between that, isn't there? Between West Ham, yes, the England the, games, yeah, yeah, the England games. Yeah, so you've got you've got a two week break there. But our play, you know, well, all of our our squad will be gone for um, for I imagine for all the other internationals that are going on so um, so it's it's worse really because you don't even have your squad together to train and and, you know oversee any therapies and all that sort of stuff they're all flown off to the four winds and all come back completely crocked Uh, that's that's the the problem with you know that gap is not really a break is it it's it's actually worse than than you know being the team at home and, and playing a game or something it's it's Right, pain in the yeah. backside. No, so you think Southampton might go and what they'll play the game on Easter Sunday? Well, uh, so so we can complete, no, we can complete the resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll be the Monday, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, allegedly the Monday is um, is, is the, the suggested date, but um, I, I have to say, I mean, bearing in mind that you know we we lifted ourselves up against them, um, and then the um, the relative injustice of um, of the, the home league game down here, Chelsea United at the Bridge could be a bit of a cracker. They well, we also beat them in the League Cup. I know it was the League Cup, etc., etc. But that was a f- I was there that night. That was a pretty, pretty good humdinger of a game. Yeah. Be it, you know, no team had its strongest lineup out. That was a yeah. No. You know, and it, in the end, it was you know coming so soon after the. Uh, the Clattergate Bergness nonsense thing that went on, you know, it was um, it was quite a, a fillip, I think, to the team to to actually beat them. You know, they, they brought a fair old crowd down, didn't they? Had a streak, a run, a bloke run on the pitch and get away with it. Flares on the pitch got away with it. Mm. You know, he was wearing flares. <laughs> no, no, that, that, I, he certainly wouldn't have been allowed to leave the ground wearing flares. No, oh, they, yeah, they were say. throwing flares. There were flares thrown on the pitch right, and okay. stuff. Yeah. Tone was briefly nostalgic for a moment there. I was indeed for them and platform <laughs> shoes. The only time I was ever tall. <laughs> um, I um, I, I think we've, we've we've possibly rambled enough nonsense for tonight. Um, does anyone have anything to throw into the mix that we? I do. I, we have this, We have the unsolved question that we want our listeners to come to our rescue on. Um, if anybody lives in Watford. 
Chelsea. Ah. Anybody. <laughs> can anybody tweet us or go on to the ChelseaFCblog.com and let us know whether the Watford Coliseum, um, which seems to be a fairly big um, centre, palace of, of nightlife in the Watford area, is the same place as that used to be called Bailey's in Watford. Now, I'm I not believe. expecting any teenagers to answer this because um, well, I'm talking back late 70s, early 80s here, but it would be good to know, just from a personal point of view. This you're not asking, you're not expecting most of the population, really, 70% <laughs> <of> them. <laughs> Probably not, being as the two people I saw there were the drifters and, um, and I would, uh, um, fab- I would... Fabulous Night Ad with the Baron Knights there. Oh, bloody hell. Actually, I, I can give you a bit of, bit of general Baron Knights after. This, this, this tease mark perfectly to stick the goal in because he, he's done some research over to you Mark yes well I did message you during this um, podcast oh, maybe the messaging doesn't work on your Skype it's, it's Bailey's co- is not the same as um, the Coliseum ah. it's, um, it's still there it's still a nightclub actually it's been renamed I, I, they don't have um, performers on there like the drifters oh. it's just oh, a okay. nightclub but uh, the Coliseum has always been a theatre Right, lovely. Well, in that case then, dear listener, you do not need to worry yourself about that anymore. Do not. But um, we're very lucky at Watford to have a Coliseum. And, um, yes. There's, a, there's an aqueduct leading down to the fountains. Mm. And as soon as this podcast is finished, I'll be glad when it is wrapped up. I'm going down to the Roman baths where I've got a young maiden to rub me down in oil and shave me. <laughs> <laughs> at this time of night. She'll, yeah, she'll double time. Um, um, just quickly to say that obviously the the young lads are through to the next round of the youth cup. They beat Derby two one, and the is it the under twenty ones are playing in this next generation. The They're playing Juventus, Juventus I think. Um, well, it's actually it's on on Sunday lunch Sunday lunchtime over at um, Griffin Park. Mm. So so sh- should you be feeling so um, so adventurous, you could go and uh, you can go and watch the youngsters at Griffin Park, and then. Um, Make you over to the bridge for um, for West Ham, which would... no, I've, I've made my pilgrimage to Griffin Park for this decade. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this, this, feel you've done enough. If, if history is anything to go by, this half century, I would suggest. But um, mm. um, I think that probably wraps us up. Other, other than the fact, Tony, you mentioned the Baron Knights and Watford. Well, I know for a fact that a couple of them actually lived not far from Watford, because a mate of mine that I used to work with went out with one of their daughters. Oh, right. I seem to remember they were very funny back in their day. I mean, it was a different time, a different place, you know, but uh, um, it was an amusing night out. I believe Russ Abbott was still part of their setup at the time as well. Was Russ Abbott part of the Baron Knights? I think he, he was definitely on that night. So whether he was part of them or or whatever, he, I, there, there was definitely something Russ Abbotty that night. Then the Baron Knights, chicken in a basket, bit of pop music, slow dance, coach home. Fighting you know. the car park. It sounds like an episode of Only Fools and Horses, doesn't it? But you know, it's I'm of that age. Is another country. Lots of people, lots of our listeners in sideways baseball caps will get to go out for a rave, thinking, "What are they going on about?" <laughs> do, you, do you have listeners like that? I'm not entirely, <laughs> not entirely convinced. Well, they might. <laughs> now I understand your report from the other week. Um, when, when you got a bit frustrated with our performances and you were going off Chelsea and weren't sure if you wanted to renew your season ticket, yeah. now that you're comparing it to nights out in Watford to watch the Baron Knights, 
I, c- I can see that your level of expectation for entertainment is a lot higher than mine. <laughs> I, I, before we go, I just have to read this out. I, I, this may or may not be true, but someone has tweeted, uh, this is possibly the greatest stat ever. Tonight was Barcelona's third match that they've ever played during a papal conclave. Good <laughs> Lord above! Would, would you like to guess what the score in the other two games were, given that tonight was 4-0? 4-0. 4-0. Exactly. There you go. Oh, that's ridiculous. You don't want to be playing Barcelona when there's a when there's papal a conclave. conclave. Good <laughs> We obviously <laughs> dodged a bullet on several occasions. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. So if we're ever playing them again and the Pope parks your, it, we might money. as well not bother. Get your money on 4 nil rapid. To be perfectly honest, there's no way, even if there were other things to discuss, there's no way we can top that. We've just we've no. got to pack it in now. Yeah, uh, I think that's it. Gentlemen, Thank you as always. Um, listener, if you have any comments on the generally shabby nature and um, rambling um, nonsense, <laughs> yeah, nonsense is what I was looking for, um, do leave us a comment on www.chelseafcblog.com. We will return after we've beaten Stoyer and, and probably drawn with West Ham and, and made asses of ourselves again um, at some time in the future. In the meantime, gents, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.